Hey girl, you feel that? That's boyfriend material. This is episode 12, First Man from 2018. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too, and this episode is brought to you by Beta Cloth. Ooh. Yeah, oh no, I mean, do you feel that? Uh, I forget how we do this. Oh, you mean Beta Cloth? No, you say, ooh, is that boyfriend material? No, yes. no, I, I say, oh, you mean Beta Cloth? You say, no, that's boyfriend material. That's boyfriend material. Yeah. Okay, there we go, got it. Nailed it. Leaving it all in there because we are good at this. Beta cloth is a type of fireproof silica fiber cloth used to manufacture the Apollo Skylab A7L spacesuits. So I thought that was, I mean, obviously that's the only appropriate material for this movie. Absolutely. I was waiting for like a little bit more. I think I'm I'm used to that Too Fast, Too Forever groove where, you know, you you hit me with a, a sponsor and then a description of the sponsor. And I think I was just waiting. My mind was waiting for the description of the clothes. It's okay. Uh, but, you know, we, we got there in the end. Well, here we are. We, we got there. We landed. The eagle had landed. The eagle has right? landed. We are here. I'm our... assuming that's where that came from. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, right. This what is like, from? like the original, the eagle has landed. Oh, probably. I think so. I would guess so. Like when he called it like an eagle, like, oh yeah, like eagle's coming down. I was like, is he going to say the eagle has landed? Because like I've used that so many times. I'm 99% sure it came from there, right? Yeah. Like, it had to have. Okay. Because, I mean, that's the symbol of America. You know, America finally beat Russia. This whole movie, Russia's beating us. And yeah. yet here we are. The eagle has landed on the moon. Yes. So this is our quarterly Boyfriend Material, our first one since our last episode where we talked about Crazy Stupid Gauze. This, we were going to talk about Drive, but because we delayed this one a couple months to sort of do our quarterly focus on Too Fast, Too Forever, this was first out. Goss. As this com- So if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, on the 21st, it's on VOD now, which is how we watched it, but tomorrow, Tuesday the 22nd, it's out on Blu-ray, 4K, all that sort of stuff. So, if you want to own this, tomorrow, I think, is the day. Yeah, go for it. Happy God's Day. What I also realized, Joe, and I think we might have talked about this what? on our Channing episode of Smallfoot, if you go listen to Magic Mike's if you want, uh, there's no Gosling movies currently on his IMDb. His most recent credit is this. So I don't know if he's not in things. I don't know if he's, like, taking a break from acting. I don't know if he's in secret projects. I don't know what's going on. But with that logic, it seems like the next handful of movies that we're going to do, just sort of like Channing, right? It's going to be the old stuff because he doesn't seem to be in a lot of new things, which is kind of a little weird. Yeah, that is weird. We, had, but, but, I mean, we had runs like that. Like, like Zeph wasn't in anything last year, right? Yeah, he. I mean, Zeph was in the two movies that we thought might come out last year. Both going to come out early this year. I guess yeah. the Beach Bums screamed in some places last year, but did not actually come out. So those two will be out. But yeah, I mean, I guess we can't all have Nicolas Cage. who made eight movies last year. <laughs> I know, you know Mike and I just busy over there, you know, up to our elbows in new Cage movies. But Ooh, I like that. Up to our elbows in Idris. So before we get into talking about First Man, where Ryan Gosling plays Neil Armstrong, this is, I think... The second time he's played a, a real person. He also played a real person in... Do you remember the movie? The other movie? No. What was it? Big Short. He either played a real person or played like a oh, combination yeah, right. of real people. But yeah, that was based on the other, the other movie so far that we've covered. See, that doesn't really story. count. It wasn't like he's yeah. like surprised. Like, I didn't get it wrong. You know, like, he wasn't like one... I don't think he was like a real person in the Big Short. Like, he just like playing a, a series of people. I, I think I remember vaguely when we did that episode that we were talking on the about the trivia and like this person based on this and I think a lot of them were sort of like amalgamations of a couple different people but yeah that's how it seems like it had to have been right because it's like a loose story it's not like it didn't feel like he was like the right like one guy right so this is our first true biopic biopic that we're covering here on Boyfriend Material uh, you know Zeph played a couple real real people he's gonna play a real guy soon yeah it's always special but before we talk about First Band 
Uh, Let us first get into the mailbag. Do we have some mail? We do. We have four emails. Oh, jeez. Email just here on the show, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. First email up from Jess Collins, a.k.a. Jess Montez. Montez. This is sent back in October. Okay. A dad joke. What do you call an older, wiser Ryan Gosling? Me. Ryan Goose. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, it was so in our faces. Like, I I should have gotten that one really easily. Oh, fuck. Okay. Touche. That was a really good one, Jess. I laughed. (laughs) You got me. That was good. Next email, also from Jess Collins, Jess Montez. This is what we... We've read this on a couple different podcasts already because she sent this to this show, Too Fast, Too Forever, Zack Attack, and Magic Mike's. Okay. I will never forget you. I'm listening and not taking notes, but I'm still here quietly loving all the Cage Club family from afar. I promise I'll go back and rank your fire-ass titles very, very soon. Again, thank you, Jess, for writing in, but again, putting you on blast. No other emails. No rankings of fire-ass titles, so... She just doesn't care about us. It's okay. She did send us this gift that I just put in the thing, or I guess it's a vine, a, a gift from a vine, whatever. Gif. It's yeah. uh, Gosling not eating his cereal putting a scarf over his mouth you to know block I mean. that cereal from eating eaten. So, thank you, Montez. Uh, we love you, Montez. Shout out, Montez. Yes. Next email from other superfan, Jenny McMullen. Subject line, mm-hmm. Serial Picture. Okay. She says, Hi, guys. I saw this on Facebook and thought of you. I know the next episode of Boy From Material isn't until January, like Magic Mike's. Have you considered moving one of these to February so that, well, just because it makes sense? Just saying... Jenny, which we'll talk <laughs> That's about. a good point. We, I talked about this, and you're like, no, let's do it the same month. Because there was a time where we thought that we might record both in the same night. We're not doing that. But I, it, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, this is Jumbo Serial. Oh, fuck, I remember these. Holy shit, this is a flashback. So these I remember from, like, diners and stuff, like, where they would just have, like, a bunch of boxes of cereal, like... Yes, so this is... So it's a picture. It's called, like, a jumbo assortment. Yeah. And it's strapped together nine boxes of small boxes. It's actually 18. It says on there 18. It's too too deep. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, this is, like... It's it's basically, I think, I would say, like, the size of one cereal box, right? Yes. I actually specifically remember these. And this is, like, pre-cups, right? Like, you... You would get cereal yeah. in sm- tiny boxes yep. that's, like, the same cereal. I remember this pack. Like, my grandma used to buy, like, the mix pack for, like, me and my grandfather. It always confused me. I mean, I, it, it sort of makes a little bit more sense for home if you want to try different stuff. But, like, it confused me when you went out to a diner. Like, why would anybody go to a diner and order cereal? You know what I mean? Like, who's out where you can have, like, anything you want? You're like, you know what? I really want Apple Jacks today. What I think you're missing out on is, like diners used to be like cool and cheap enough that like you, you could literally go eat breakfast there every day so like my yeah. grandparents and stuff like that like could go to a diner literally like every morning when you're retired and like one day you might want cereal so yeah it's the way to do it but i get what you're saying like like if i could eat like you know bacon eggs potatoes um you know pancakes like i would do that instead definitely but yeah now that's like eight or nine or ten bucks or whatever and uh, who's got that kind of money not me. Thank you, Jenny, for writing in. Now, last email, the most exciting one we have, Joe. Uh, your cellular bill notice from AT&T. From Thank you. AT&T Services to Boyfriend Material. Uh, reply to AT&T Inc. Your personal wireless bill is all set to view. Dear AT&T user, your personal monthly mobile invoice for your AT&T account it is, or is, is ready to view. Overall balance due, $315.04. 
see your monthly bill right here with a, a handy link that goes to PennsylvaniaARXCoupon.com. <laughs> Thank you so much, AT&T Solutions, ATT.com, which links actually to ATT.com. Contact us, ATT Support. Fast and Simple Help is offered 24 hours. Uh, that link is also true, so... Make sure you do not answer this communication, says at the bottom. 2018 AT&T property. AT&T, the logo and all of their AT&T trademarks enclosed in this letter are art logos of AT&T intellectual property and, period, AT&T affiliated organizations, period, affiliated marketers of AT&T supply goods and services on behalf of the AT&T brand. And there's a privacy link at the bottom that just goes straight to att.com. Well, I think Prink Harry must have opened a phone in our name and been running up the bill over there. Thank you for listening, AT&T. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for writing in. I saw that oh, one, and I was like, should I delete it? I was like, no, we have, we, I swear to an oath that whatever does not get flagged by this spam filter, I, although in the subject line it was just star, 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 spam, star, 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 star. That's, I guess it didn't, yeah, I guess it passed. That it passed. one worked it was, somehow. It was spam, but not enough spam or something. I don't know, but. Did you see this thing? There was this, <laughs> oh, it was Nathan for you. The Nathan for you when he's like, do you ever want to like invite people but like not invite them to a party? And oh he, yes, like, yes. And he got the guy to write like these emails that get like filtered yep. to spam, so you could be like, "I invited you. So why didn't you come to my party?" And like nobody shows up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what that just made me think. No, of. I like, forgot all about that, but I love that. Yeah, same. Shout out Nathan for you. If you're listening, Nathan for you. <laughs> okay, so I've got so here before we get into the episode, I've got a couple serial reviews. I posted an okay. image about a month ago. I don't know if you remember this. I it know. was like kind of the ultimate, like when when uh, when Resident Story Mike Manzi saw it, he was like, "This is the ultimate stoner cereal." Uh, you were drunk when I sent you a picture. You were like, "I want this." It is a base of Frosted Flakes with okay. Lucky Charms marshmallows. Do you remember this? Yes. Now I remember this. So combining two cereals that are very good, it's kind of underwhelming. Like it feels mostly like Frosted Did you Flakes. Eat it? I ate the whole box. Yeah. Okay. But it's just sort of like I was expecting, like, greatness. Did I tell you my story about, like, when Gmail first came out? Did I ever tell you this story? No, but I remember you uh, you were bragging about it when we were playing Halo. Like, that was way back then. Yes, it was. I had, I had a very, very... I had an alpha Gmail account, like, early. Somebody questioned me not too long ago and was like, you didn't have a Gmail account in, like, 05? And I was like, yeah, I did. And I, like, went and found the welcome email because you obviously don't have to delete anything. And he was like, holy shit, you were, like, really, really early. But anyways, yep. Gmail was just coming out, and the only way you could get it was with an invite from somebody that had one. Right. So there was this, like, online community that was like, we'll trade you things for invites to Gmail. I think you might have told the story on Zack Attack. Maybe. Maybe I did. But I'm going to tell it again. Go so then, it. So there was, like, a kid there, and he was like, to get an email, like a Gmail invite, I will send you a oh, box yes. Yes, of yes, just yes. Lucky Charms marshmallows. Mm-hmm. You might actually hold on this podcast because I feel like that's more in line with this. But who knows? Yeah. Anyway, so that when you when you said that, I was always thinking like, why don't they just make a just marshmallows? They should make a just marshmallows. I think that'd be like the greatest thing ever. Captain Crunch does like oops all berries, so it's kind of the same similar sort of thing, right? But yeah, I just think it would just be like diabetes in a box, and that's why they can't do it. When you eat Lucky Charms. Do you have a strategy? No, I just eat it. I don't. I don't save the marshmallows. I, you know, I, I, I like it because I feel like the cereal without the marshmallows is just kind of, you know, not Painful. overly bland, but just fine. I feel like the, it's it's specially designed to like eat all in once. You know what I mean? No, I always save the marshmallows. Like I'll sit through all the shitty cereal 
like a whole bowl of it just to have like a bowl of marshmallows at the end. Um, I have two other cereal reviews too. I, I don't I don't post these, but Cinnamon Toast Crunch has been doing a lot of weird stuff. I think this is all General Mills. I think they've just been doing weird things. They had a special seasonal uh, sugar cookie toast crunch, which and? was good. I mean, it's not really a cereal that I would want, but it's it's, it's kind of like imagine uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but like sweeter and more like like less cinnamon. Oof. Maybe just okay. minus the cinnamon. It's just sugar. Okay, that's cool. I missed this. And then my mom got me, for some reason, I don't know why, but thank you, Mom. She doesn't listen to this. Uh, yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch with chur- like Churro Toast Crunch? Ooh. Were there in the so shape like extra of cinnamon? Yeah, I guess it's like, maybe it might be like Cinnamon Toast Crunch without the sugar? I don't I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of a different cereal, but I which don't is? know. I don't know which one. I can't tell. I, 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 Fuck, it, now I need to buy a box of this so we can play what cereal is this. I know. I don't know that any are permanently on store shelves, right? But, yeah. you know, they're also not going to displace my uh, sugary cereal of choice, which is uh, Captain Crunch Berries. Like, that's just, you know, that's my unhealthy cereal fire, of choice. That's still, that's still my, uh, my number one, so. I love Captain Crunch. I really do. I'm a big fan. Put it in your Rice Krispie Treats. That's the way to go. Ooh, yeah. You never thought of that? You made it for us, I think. You made it for me. I my... think so. So when you came down uh, to my friend's house for my uh, going away to Texas party, whenever I refer to you, uh, the people who host you, at least uh, Jen, always says, yeah. was he the one who made the Rice Krispie Treats? I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, I know exactly who that is. Awesome. That's really cool. Good. I'm glad my yep. Rice Krispie Treat recipe is raining on. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Next segment, Canadian Goose on the Loose, Canadian Gauze on the laws. Do you have any news? I mean, there's it's been a quiet sort of couple months. I have one thing. Do you have anything else that's been going on in the life of Ryan Gosling? No, you go first. So it's not really quite about him. However, they have announced that they are turning The Notebook into a Broadway musical oh God, with songs by Ingrid Michaelson, who is great. She, I don't know if you know her, but she's great. They're developing the adaptation. You know, I still haven't seen it. I'm still waiting for this. We're not going to get to it for years, but... Maybe I'll have to watch it before then. But The Notebook is headed to Broadway for a musical that's version. That's so strange. That is so weird. Well, that's like that's like the whole trend now. It's like to do a musical version of whatever. Like uh, Mean Girls, there's a musical. Mean Girls, yep. Uh, there was just a Clueless musical that did a, a yep. short run that sold out every night. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like turning things that aren't musicals into musicals. It's sort of like the remake reboot culture, but just a little bit more work. A little bit more work and for people that like musicals. Yeah, so most people, just not you. Not me. Yeah, I don't know how I'd feel. When my buddy came to hang out with us on New Year's Eve, he was, like, gonna look for tickets, and he's like, you know, should I get, like, tickets to a musical on Broadway? And I was like, I'm the wrong person to ask that. I obviously don't ever want to go to a musical on Broadway. And he was, like, mentioning, like, he was like, you wouldn't even go see Mean Girls? And I was like, oh, God, I didn't even know that they made that until you just brought it up. Did you find any uh, Gosling news, anything else that's been going on on uh, our favorite Canadian's life? I did. Um, he did an interview with GQ, with Australian GQ. Two t- tiny Gosling laws facts in this. One, he likes to knit. Did you know that? No, I don't think so. But also, the second thing is, I think we knew this. I don't know if we ever talked about it on here. Did you know that there was a point that Ryan Gosling was almost a Backstreet Boy. We might have talked about this last episode. I think we talked, yeah. maybe, yeah. She tried to, like, join. He was friends with AJ McClain. He, like, called him and, like, never got back to him or something. And then that's why he's not a Backstreet Boy. But, boy, would it have been a different world if you would have had... Which one was Justin Timberlake in? He was in NSYNC. Yeah, so imagine Goss and Backstreet Boys. 
and Justin Timberlake in NSYNC. Well, I mean, it, it also, that sort of, in a way, ties into this because Lance Bass went to outer space. Did he ever go to outer space, or he just, he just wanted to go to outer space? He did. He went with the Russians and then fucked everything up, remember? Oh, so we have him to blame for Trump. <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. He, um, he went, he paid the Russians, like, a couple million dollars to go up there, and so he was, like, hanging out on the space station, and he was, like all about it and it was awesome and then when he came back down they were like here's the bill for all the shit that you broke on the space oh, station no. they, yeah yeah they wrecked him it was really funny well, that's why you don't go to space that's why you always leave a note just like yeah that's why you always leave a note no but i dude i would love to go to space that'd be really cool we're closer now than we've obviously ever been to just consumer space travel i think like if you're still like you have to be rich but like richard branson's just taking people up there like i think probably in our life but he takes you to orbit like i want to go to the moon you know what i mean like yeah i don't know that we're ever i mean that's a that's a that's a ways off i'd I'd settle for orbit i'd be happy with orbit really no yeah 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 yeah. i got a touchdown somewhere i want to go to the mars i want to go to mars or the moon or something gotta be somewhere gotta be somewhere i gotta like like hit something you know uh, one of my favorite comedians growing up i still really like him i just haven't listened to a lot of him lately uh brian regan has a whole special called yes. i walked on the moon he talks about how neil armstrong has the ultimate like barbecue story like you know like oh i'm a ceo i you know i have my own private plane or whatever and then neil armstrong's just like well i walked on the moon and like that's yeah. <laughs> the trump card like that you just you just win so like even if you don't walk on the moon because there's only been like a handful of people or whatever there's maybe a couple hundred i have no idea but maybe a couple hundred people who have ever been like in orbit um maybe yeah. a couple thousand like not that not that many you know what i mean so it's like not that many compared to the population you're that's right. why i would just say like i would you know i would i would love to be on the moon or on mars or whatever but space station space i'll draw the line at space station. oh okay space station okay if i could do that i'd be like okay that's cool I think that's a happy medium. Yeah, same. Any other thoughts before we talk about First Man? No, I'm ready for it. Let's go. So this is uh, the second. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you noticed, but this is also directed by Damien Chazelle, who did La La Land. So this is the second. Yes. Gosling. I was wondering who, why I knew that name, and I was just figuring I'd wait and, and ask you when yes. we start talking. So it was. It's the fourth movie that he's directed. I haven't seen or heard of one of them, but all four have been composed by uh, Justin Hurwitz, who did this one too. I think the music in this is great. Like the score in this, like when they, especially when the rocket is taking off and the rocket is landing on the moon, when Apollo 11 is going up and down, like it's just, it's so good. I think the music is very good. I had a problem with this and I want to talk to you just like, this is like a very technical issue. Did the movie have that thing where like some parts are like super loud over the audio? Was that intentional? I know you saw it in theaters. I didn't. So it was definitely like, it was different in theaters. Like, I mean, I have a good sound system here. Maybe it was just the VOD released or whatever. I feel like the sound in theaters was good because I saw it in IMAX, and like okay. you kind of wanted to like envelop you. You know what I mean? Like you kind of wanted yes, to just exactly. be exactly. That's what I was asking. the sound, and I didn't really get that watching it this time. I'm hoping you know eventually I'll buy the 4K and you know maybe watch it again there, and yeah, it's going to be better sound. I think, but like this kind of wanted to drown be out, right? By it. Yeah, there wasn't enough distance between the sounds. Like you would hear something like happening or like a song or something, and then like all of the dialogue would be, like, washed out. And I didn't know if that was, like, an intentional thing. Like, you don't really need to know the dialogue kind of thing going on. Like, when you, like, see two people talking, but, like, you don't really make out what they're saying. I didn't know if it was that or just, like, the what we were watching. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think we'd have to probably sort of go scene by scene. But I think I think it's me. It's a well-enough-made movie that that's got to be intentional. You know what I mean? I think so, too. That's what I was saying. Like, it's so pretty and everything else seems so intentional that I felt like th- there was specifically, like, one conversation he's having with his wife and there's, like, music playing over it, and I couldn't really, like, make out what they were saying, and I was like, I don't know if the audio is just too loud or, like, I'm deaf or what's going on, so. Right. I saw this in theaters, like we were saying. I saw it again today. This is the first time that you saw it. I yeah. kind of want to know, like, what's your reaction to this movie? Because I have thoughts. 
that I, I, don't, I don't think we ever really talked about this movie because I didn't want to spoil it for this no. ahead of time. But like, tell me, like, what did you think of the movie? What did you think of Gauze? Just on like a, on a sort of a high level, what did you like? What did you not like? I just want to get your take before I uh, share what I thought. The movie was kind of made for people that already know this story. It felt like to me. There's not a lot of dialogue to drive the story, like the plot. It's more of like Gosling, like brooding. It's like it, it almost has like the same amount of dialogue as like Drive or Only God Forgives, right? Like it's there's he's not talking a lot in this movie. It's more of like the emotion and like how he's feeling about it, like these kind of things. But at the same time, it's like this is a real fucking story, and like I need to know the details of what's happening because it's like a biopic. So yeah. for me, I'm like. I get the like the emotion of it, but it felt almost Oscar Beatty to me for them to not be like like you could have been a lot closer to like hidden figures, right? Right. You can do stuff, but like you have to have some clues on like what the fuck, like why the fuck they're doing things, and like why people are dying or like why they're like like they'll just show you like scenes of things that it's like like when he was like I just wish we had more fuel, and you're like yeah okay, but like we we know that you probably that's probably a good idea, right? Like I can imagine like having more fuel is, like, top-tier list of things that anybody would want being an astronaut. At the same time, it's, like, we didn't have this conflict of, like, where he needed more fuel or how or why. There could have been, like, one line where he's, like, I don't think we'll be able to land it in 20 seconds. Like, I need more fuel. And then, like, they cut to the next thing, and he's, like, I need more fuel. And it's, like, okay, cool. Like, I, I needed a little bit more direction. Yep. I did. I think it's beautiful. I was really, really bored until they get on the rocket to take off. And once it hit that part, I was glued to this movie. You know what I mean? Like, once, like, the the engines fire, and it's like, are they going to make it? Are they going to land on the moon? And the tension, and the feel, and the way it's shot, everything about it was beautiful. Up until that point, it was a lot of, like, him trying to cope with losing his daughter, which is good, and it's a good storyline, but at the same time, it's like, I more want to know about the astronaut stuff. So, like, it wasn't for me. The emotional baggage of the daughter doesn't really play into the movie of, like, him landing or not, you know? Right. It's there, and I'm sure that they were worried about it. I get that this might be a part of the story, but they made it a bigger piece of it than I think it was. Those are, those are like, my general, like, top-layer kind of feels about the movie. And it was more like, you know, like, plot stuff and stuff like that. Like, I think it was beautiful. I could have watched just, like... The rocket, t- like we could have done like an Apollo 13 where it was just like pretty much like taking off, shit going bad, the moon. And then like the weird 10 or 15 minutes of just moon porn was kind of weird at the end. Did you feel like this was moon porn to you? I feel like it's the kind of thing where like when you have a movie about Neil Armstrong and a movie about going to the moon and a movie about space, like you need to have these kind of scenes. I didn't think they were excessive. I thought I thought that they were kind of the some of my favorite stuff in the movie. I love it. If you're if you're going to talk about like how he feels about his daughter and stuff like that and then you get up there and you do like the, that pan shot that felt like it just was like very long. It felt like right. 2 or 3 minutes. I'm like, okay, this could have been a moon porn movie. Like we could have like been fantasizing about like what the earth looks like and what the moon looks like from, you know, each perspective the whole time. It could have been more like what like gravity or something, right? Like where you have this play of like what stuff looks like. But it was just like, oh, no, we're just going to give you some moon porn because we finally made it here. Right. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I like moon porn, but, like, not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be more of, like, the weird stuff. But those are my thoughts. Neil Armstrong's sons have said that this is, like, the most accurate representation of what 
his that what their parents' life and interaction and relationship was like that they've ever seen. Um, that That's this, fair. That this I movie bet. was, I think, either based upon or used as inspiration. There was a book about this called First Man. They also interviewed the sons a lot. They sort of, Damien Chazelle got a lot of information and just sort of put together this thing. Because it's not really as much about... Because, I mean, the, the name of the, it's, it's in the movie, right? It's in the name of the movie. It's not about the mission to the moon, it's about Neil Armstrong, right? So it's about yes, him, because it's First Man. Sure. It's not like Apollo 11, it's First Absolutely. Man. So it's about him, it's about him losing his daughter, about him sort of shutting off his wife. My problem with it, so actually before I get there, so I think it's beautiful, like I mean, you're saying, like I think, I think like I was saying before, the music is great, I think yeah, Gosling is, is very good. I think Gosling's awesome. I just feel like for a movie about Neil Armstrong, I don't really get a sense of who Neil Armstrong is. Yeah. And I feel like that's maybe kind of the point, that he was this man closed off to the world. Th- that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, I was like, I wish that there had been more dialogue and, like, more of his personality. And I get that I'm, I'm really sure with the director and Gosling being so into their roles that they're playing an accurate portrayal like the sunset like i'm sure that he was like kind of a closed off guy kind of like yeah. quiet but at the same time it's like you can't make a movie about a guy like that you know like he has to be buzz he has to be buzz aldridge to like well buzz is to, an asshole like i mean even like buzz yeah. is on screen a lot but like you know buzz played by Corey stoll who but i love from a lot of things and like yeah house he, of cards yeah, yeah he uh he's only got a couple lines which is like oh he's a dick like at the funeral it's he like well is. Like, they, when they're at a funeral for people who died yeah. you know prepping to go to space he's just like Oh, if I couldn't see. Like, he's just so analytical. Like, I feel oh, like... Oh, yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if you watched a movie with him, you would you would get a feel for him. Yeah. You know? Like, mm-hmm. you would get a lot more of him. Right. Like, there wouldn't need to be all this, like, back kind of foreshadowing scenes that, like, nobody's talking in to, like, help you feel, like, what he's thinking in his head, because he just says it. Yeah. And I needed a more overt character like that in this movie. Like, I feel the way watching this movie like I did when I watched The Social Network, where I was just like, I, I appreciate that this is very well made, I like a lot of things about it, but, like, the portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg, or the portrayal of Neil Armstrong here, is just like, oh, you're kind of, like, in a way, like an alien. Like, you don't know how to interact with people. And, yeah. you know, Claire Foy, who plays Gosling's wife in this, is really good. It's awesome. And, you know, she's so good. She's getting to know the neighborhood, and she's, you know, trying to cope with people who have, like, Her story PTSD. is super fascinating. Yeah. I think that her story is even more fascinating than Neil Armstrong's. Because, yeah, she's, like, dealing with her husband and, like, and how, and the kids and, like, how he has to open up to the kids at least to, like, you know, share the the gravity of this with them. She's a great character, and that's awesome. And, like, I wish we'd have even seen more of her because Neil Armstrong's just, like, so closed off that it's, like, hard to get a read on him for me. When I walked out of the theaters, my, my impression was... I think I liked that, or I liked part of it. I, I, I appreciated what I had seen, but I wasn't really looking forward to seeing it again. Like, I knew that I was going to for this. I mm-hmm. There's things to admire about it, but it was the kind of movie where I was just like, oh, I've, I saw that, and now I'm good. It kind of bummed me out because I was looking forward to it because, obviously, I love La La Land. I love Gosling. You know, I like space movies. And here, it just yeah. sort of came together. And, like, I said, maybe on Zac Efron, maybe on Zac Attack, maybe on... For sure on podcasts I've done with Mike, biopics are really difficult for me because I think it's very hard, and it's very hard to do well, condense like 60 years of life or whatever into two hours. So here, it takes a couple years, and it just sort of does like the Gemini and then the Apollo stuff. That works, I think. Like, So I think... The timeline is great. Yes. I, I think the timeline, it's a really good book ending. It starts at an okay place. It finishes at an okay place. I didn't like... I didn't necessarily like the first half 
but I get why they did it, and it makes sense to me. But yeah, you're right. It's very hard. Like, they couldn't have gone from, like, him as a child. Like, you can't get, like, from, like, childhood to, like, main accomplishment in your life in, you know, an hour and a half, right. two hours and 20 minutes, whatever. That normally trips me up in these movies, and I think that was so good, and I was like, okay, now that I know that that's good, it just, the rest of it just didn't come together in a way that I wanted, and I just, and like... Does it feel oscar Beatty to you? It, Is that it, like... Yeah, I think so, and like, I, there's nothing that I like, I, could, I can point to and be like, I didn't like that. It just sort of like, like, it feels like this is exactly the movie that he wanted to make, and I don't know if that's true or not, but like, it feels like this is the story he wanted to tell, the way that yeah. he wants to tell it, and I feel like he's yep. like, I did this. And it's just like, okay, cool, I appreciate that, I just don't like the way it tastes, you know what I mean? So Exactly. That's what it feels like to me. This is probably a really good meal, I just don't like the way it tastes. Yep. Like, it's just not for me, yeah. Walt Hickey, who was on our Fast Five episode of Lap 2, he's got the great yeah. uh, Numlock News newsletter he was writing he's got this now he and his boyfriend are doing uh every weekend they do a saturday and sunday thing where they're leading up to the oscars because he's doing things from like a okay. really analytical perspective because he's the yeah, numbers he guy always, he's and, numbers guy yeah. uh, michael his boyfriend is going from just sort of a knows a lot about pop culture and historical trends and like saying you know what kind of things whatever i think in one of those they were talking about how there's really kind of this trend of like and it makes absolute sense in this you know what we are it's the what the reason you're saying oscar baby it's movies where people portray famous people and that's sort of like i think that's actually on like a downturn like there's not that many anymore but still when it happens, like when, when you know gary olden plays winston churchill he wins an oscar yeah. for it there's not that many of those that came this out is last the theory year. of everything. Yes, there's always one in the in the Oscars, right? There's like always like one. It's not always a slam dunk that you're gonna win, no. but I feel like because of the way that Lincoln. Yes, exactly. The way that historically, and now this is sort of changing. And like, I really do think you should like if you're interested in this kind of stuff. Like, even if you don't read the regular Numlock news, like this sort of awards add-ons thing is a separate subscription for free. Uh, it's really fascinating to say like because like in the last six or seven years or something, something like 25% of the people who vote on the Oscars are new in the last, like, six or seven years. And so, Walt, like, normally, he, like, he uses all this historical data, he's like, you really kind of can't do that anymore because so much of the voting base is new. So I think it's interesting to see, historically, the Oscar voting base gives awards to these kind of movies, but it feels like yes. fewer of these are being made now, which is, I think, good, because I'd rather have original stuff. There's just a place for this, but personally, I kind of like documentaries better, just as a format, because it feels more real. Right. Like, I know that there's obviously agendas in documentaries. But there's agendas here, too, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but I like the rigidity... There's no, like, poetic license in a in a documentary, right? Like, they, they don't, like... You can't just, like, add something and be like, oh, yeah, they just made this part up, or, like, this didn't really happen. In a biopic, it's, like, it's it's such a drama that, like, you don't really know what's real and what is true, as opposed to, like... A, like, I would rather watch this in a documentary style and be like, this was Neil Armstrong. This is what he did. This is the day that he did it. Right. This and is that's, the pictures from it. So we talked about this, I think, on past episodes when we talked about this movie and something that was in the news that, like, in August of last year, quote-unquote news broke that they weren't you weren't going to see the American flag in this movie. And yes. Marco Rubio especially was like, this is crazy. Like, how are you going to tell the story without this? Whatever, all this different stuff. The president boycotted it. Yes, remember, and analysts actually said that 
the movie didn't do as well at the box office, they think, because of this. But Damien Chazelle said, I show the American flag standing on the lunar surface, but the flag being physically planted into the surface is one of several moments I chose not to focus upon. To address the question of whether this was a political statement, the answer is no. My goal with this movie was to share with audiences the unseen, unknown aspects of America's mission to the moon. And Gosling said, it transcended countries and borders. I think this was widely regarded in the end as a human achievement, and that's how he chose to view it. I also think Neil was extremely humble, as were many of the astronauts, and time and time again, he deferred the focus from himself to the 400,000 people who made the mission possible. I might have yeah. cognitive bias, but I don't think Neil viewed himself as an American hero. From the interviews with his family and people that knew him, it was quite the opposite, and we wanted the film to reflect Neil. That's a good quote, yeah. It's not like there's an agenda here, but it's not like... Like, Damien Chazelle is not making America the, the, uh, the wet dream. Like, America's space program, the wet dream. You know what I mean? Like, he's <laughs> yeah. making... He's telling a story... Space Force, the wet dream. Exactly. You know, he's he's not doing something just to sort of make propaganda. He's making a movie to tell a story about a man that he admires, and, oh, by mm-hmm. the way, cast a Canadian to play one of America's great heroes. But it's also the same kind of way, and I think I might have mentioned this on here or not, but, like, in the history of American films, like, there's not a lot of great, accurate movies, I don't think, about uh, slavery. And then you have Steve McQueen, the British director, comes over and makes 12 Years a Slave, and, like, that's, like, what many people say is, like, the most accurate you know, representation yeah. or whatever, and just sort of like, oh, an outsider made that, but it's still like a great and honest depiction of American history. So like, that's a long way of saying that this doesn't necessarily have a message, but it doesn't, or uh, like a, uh, you know, a bias. An agenda. But it also yeah. doesn't mean that it doesn't. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, no I agree. You're kind of teetering. You're, you were, you had to explain why you think it could or couldn't have an agenda. Whereas like in a documentary, you're like, oh, well, this only showed you like this set of facts. And it's a very clear cut of like, right. You know, like, it's missing this chunk of information to, like, kind of lead you to one conclusion. Whereas, like, in a biopic, you're like, oh, well, this is my artistic voice through it. I didn't show the American flag because he's a he's a hero of the people, of, like, the, you know, the world. You can kind of make these arguments either way. If you were, like, showing a documentary, you'd be like, you have to put that in because that's, like, part of the steps that, that right. happens. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think his quote about choosing to, like, the unknown, unseen, and unknown elements, I think that also kind of plays into what you were saying before about, like, it feels like you didn't know this story. But I feel like that's kind of intentional, right? It's kind of like he, he's trying to tell the things that you, you don't know. Like, you know that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin went to the moon and Neil Armstrong was the first one to go out, one small step for man. Like, everybody knows that. Like, every, yes, like I know these Even parts. eight-year-olds yep. know that. But yeah. I feel like it's the... You know, the fact that, you know, he goes to D.C. to do some kind of press because he, the mission almost went catastrophically wrong, but he saved the day, and he's over there, like, saying, like, no, we're still on track, and then while he's there, the three astronauts die, this horrific fire, and, like, I feel like it's those kind of things that, like, if you go deep into these kind of movies, or these kind of stories, or whatever, you know... But if you don't, that's that might that's sort of new information. You know what I mean? So it is new information, but it wasn't. If you're gonna give me new information, give me all the new information. You could have just cut before we get to the moon, right? Like right, right, right. You could have given us like the whole backstory before it. And it would have been like boys were like we're taken off, and then that could have been the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Like we like we know the rest from that point on. Like we know that they get there. We know that they come home. Like in in that way, it's kind of you know not to bring it over to too fast, too forever, our Fast and Furious podcast, but it's kind of like. You know, in Fast Five, where they're like, 
all right, we need some cars. And then they just, like, roll back with the cars. It's like, wait, what the fuck? Like, yes. We didn't see the race. But, like, you, you know that they're going to win. Like, you, you still yeah. want to see it, but you don't have to see it. No, you don't have to see it. Like, he didn't need to give it the moon porn. Like, we didn't need to right. get the moon porn. Like, we know he goes to the moon, you know, unless you believe that MTV shot it in a studio or something. He, he went to the moon. So... Yeah, you could have you could have given us you, and now we have like a two and a half hour movie. The last like forty minutes to an hour yeah. were them making it there. You cut that out and you give me another hour of like what happened to his daughter and like how and like you know what I mean like deeper into these like his feelings about it like how it was affecting him and then you get like a more cohesive story about the man. It's hard because I feel like the movie does as good of a job as it can conveying I don't think I could do a better movie. No, because there's different things like we see him sobbing in the first couple of minutes. You know, like, we cut from him in atmosphere. It starts great. Crashing to the desert, right? Yeah, we start like at a really high note. Mm -hmm. Like, they, I think that was a great opening shot. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, you start going. Yes. This movie didn't lead you into it. Like, you start, he's up there, he bounces, he crashes into the desert. You start on a very, very, like, action-y yes. note, right? And then the next three scenes, I think, are pretty much smash cut to them at the hospital, them looking at the daughter's brain, cut to them at home, him holding her as she vomits, cut to the funeral where the daughter is dead. And it's like, yeah. oh, like, this is like a whirlwind, like, while he's preparing to hopefully go to the moon, Yeah, his daughter is dying. And then, so, like, we see a little bit after that of him just sobbing, and then later in the movie, one, one of the astronauts and his wife are driving Janet home, you know, Neil Armstrong's wife, yes. and she says, does he ever, he's like, she's like, Ed, does he ever talk about Karen, about their daughter? And Ed says no, and she says, yeah, not to me either. And, like, I think just based on who Neil Armstrong is, I don't know that you're, you know, uh, and all I know about it really is this movie, so I'm not, like, saying yeah. that I have this, like, extensive knowledge. But no, I feel like based don't. on that, you can't really show more of his emotions because it felt like he didn't show more of the emotions. You know what I mean? Like, it's those kind of things yeah, where... Yeah, but, like, can't we, like, retroactively do it? Like, don't you think he, like, got older and caved a little bit and he's like, I was real sad about it. You know what I mean? Like, they're... Well, you like, know what could be interesting in that sense? What? is Interstellar did this, where... Have you seen... Did you see Interstellar? Have you seen Interstellar lately? Which one was that one? So Interstellar, Christopher Nolan, uh, we did it for Cinemakers. It's with Matthew McConaughey. I skipped it, because I got so mad at Gravity that I skipped it. Well, so Interstellar... No, 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 it's fine. But Interstellar is a story about how, like, Earth has basically run out of food. Matthew McConaughey is trying to... He's a farmer, and he's also, like, this former... I want to say, like, former, like, rocket scientist or something or whatever. Okay. And he is sort of drafted by Michael Keane to take this mission to try to find life, try to find suitable, ha- like, habitable locations out in outer space. Okay. And as he's gone, his kids grow up, and then Jessica Chastain is, you know, his, like, his 8 or 10-year-old or 12-year-old daughter grows up to be Jessica Chastain, and she, in sort of present day, while he is now in space, is also trying to do it. Like, there's sort of two different timelines, kind of, and they all sort of coalesce. Okay. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is because the movie starts and ends with people, I think it's from a Ken Burns documentary, about the Dust Bowl. And they're talking about the Dust Bowl, and they're talking about, like, you know, when there's no food to eat and all this different kind of stuff. Grapes of wrath. Yes. And okay. they also incorporated in there the woman who plays Jessica Chastain as an old woman, because by the end of the movie, when Matthew McConaughey comes back, this is sort of spoilers, he sees his daughter, who is now, like, 95 years old or whatever, and about to die. And so, like, they have her in the beginning, sort of talking about, like, her version of the Dust Bowl, right? And so yeah. I think that's an interesting framing device. You have a character in the movie telling the story, and it's not, like, all through 
her voiceover, her monologue, her explanation. Yeah. But you could kind of do that, where you could kind of have the movie start with 65-year-old Neil Armstrong reflecting back on his days, and then sort of have, like, kind of some internal thoughts, but I feel like that's a completely different movie, and that's not at all the kind of... Like, it feels like that's too sentimental of a movie. Like, they want to have that emotional connection to Neil Armstrong, but they don't want to do it really from his perspective. It's sort of like a objective perspective or whatever. I agree. It would have made it a lot different, but that's... But that's, that's personally more of what I wanted to know in here. Like, that's just more selfishness than anything. Yeah. Like, I just want it to... I wanted that. Like, I want him to, like, look back and be like, man, I remember this night. Or, like, the like the swing really got me. You know, like, when I saw that swing, I was right. like, I don't know if I can make it to the moon. Or, like, I was packing and wasn't going to tell my kids that I was leaving because, like, I knew what my... Like, it felt like when I lost my daughter and, like, how losing someone, it's like maybe better to not say goodbye or whatever whatever could have happened like, yeah I, I just i need this closure and i i think to be fair the movie gives you that it just you kind of have, have to work for it and yeah. i feel like if we got that it would be a totally different movie and that's not the movie that they want to tell that that movie might have already been told Fine. i don't know but yeah who knows? you know that also would sort of solve my problem too which i think we kind of have in a way the same problem it's like i don't feel connected to the movie that i'm supposed to uh, to the man that this movie wants to connect me to you know what i mean so because he himself is removed so it's like Ugh, like let me in there right exactly he'd be a frustrating husband yeah like if you were his if you were his wife you'd be like <laughs> god i can't deal with this guy yeah. just fucking say anything well, that you want and like i think that's why in in the movie you know she talks about how she's talking to her her friend her friend pat or whatever and yeah. she says about how she knows this woman one of them saying that she knows this woman who's married to a dentist he's home every night at six and, you know, she's she's like, I get a call every three months, like, I kind of wish she wasn't home every night. And, like, it's the same kind of thing, like, the grass is always greener. Like, they're, they're talking about how... It is. You know, yeah. they're, they're worried about their husbands, they hate that they're away, they hate that they have to put the mission first, that, you know, their wives are very clearly number two in their lives, if at best number two. Yet, they also have, like, the other life looks so rosy and so perfect, but that isn't perfect either. And so... No. It's the same kind of, like, well, what do you, what do you kind of really... Like, you kind of, in a way signed up for this life. Like, not that it's fair, but you kind of knew yeah. what you were getting you have, into... You have to know this. ...when you married yeah. an astronaut, or, like, you marry a police officer or whatever. Like, of yep, course, you exactly. don't want to... You don't want to worry about them every night, like, whether they're going to come home from their shift, like, whether they're literally going to live through their day of work. But at the same time, like, you married into it, and so you kind of have to... Like, you can worry, and that's right to worry, but, like, you can't... You have to accept it, too. Yeah, you can't ask them to change, because, like... No. That's, that's what you sign up for, so... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What I really liked about this movie, I think, and it's it's sort of minor things, but it's sort of it shows how many things had to go right or wrong for him to be the first in line to actually walk on the moon. Yes, you're absolutely right. I I 100% agree with you on this point. It it does a really good depiction of showing you exactly the dominoes that had to fall for us to wind up there. Yep. So like as much as it's a movie that's supposed to be like about him, it's really about like the circumstances to where we got Neil Armstrong. Yes. Not like what about Neil Armstrong, but just like how he became this figure. Be- so because yeah. you know, even his buddy Ed White, who's the main, the other, his sort of his main friend, and he's supposed yeah. to be the one, the first one to do the EVA walk, the Eva walk, or whatever in outer space. Then he's watching on TV as they show a news broadcast of like the Russians doing that. And, like he's pissed because like that was supposed to be him. It's the success story for both the country and for Neil Armstrong, but it's also like this you know, ongoing story of failure 
for kind of everybody. Like, it's just like we're we're always behind. We're always falling behind. You know, we've got Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights there trying to, like, doing his yeah. goddamn best to, like, get things going the right way. And, like, it seems like no matter what, like, it seems everything's going right. And then, you know, astronauts die or something goes wrong or the Russians, like, somehow, like, surpass The government's us or pissed about spending money. People are yep. protesting. Yeah. Whitey's on the moon. Exactly. Dude, I, I want to talk about that. That song and, like, that scene is probably my favorite scene of the movie. Like, the juxtaposition where you see, like, them trying... They're just doing their job, right? Like, these guys want to go to the moon. But it's ultimately, like, just guys doing their job. And it's not a harmful job. They're not hurting anyone. They're putting their lives at risk to do something that meant something. But at the same time, it's like... Then you see the guys that are there, like, I can't pay my rent. And Whitey's going to the moon. Like... And, like, that that dichotomy was so cool to me. Also, like, that that just the actor and the, like, the freestyle verse type feel yep. was perfect. Yeah. That's a great scene. I love everything about it. I love the jump cuts and the, the audio overlay. That, like, I could watch so much of that. It was awesome. But you know what? I just realized, because it feels like a documentary, that's, like, very documentarian style of showing that right yeah like you have like a speech and then you have like the what's going on behind it and then like the speech continues over very earl morris to me i think there's one other thing oh so the end of the movie so this is something i did yes. not remember from past movies but this is apparently the third time that damien chazelle has ended a movie with lead actors ta- quote unquote tangibly looking at each other without speaking like in whiplash and la la land i thought that the end here oh. that they're separated by thousands like hundreds of thousands of miles they're brought back here. Ryan Gosling is in quarantine to make sure he doesn't have some, like, weird space diseases. And he's just on one side of the glass and his wife's on the other side of the glass. And, like, it's this really kind of wonderful, tender moment that, like... It was great. It's I sort, love the end. It's also kind of, in a way, I'm like, you know, he's still going to do stuff, but, like, life can resume now. You know what I mean? Like, he did what he set out to do. Life can resume, and for him not being, like, an emotional person, that seemed like a very tender moment between them. Like, he's, like, he was, like, trying to, like, box her out, and, like, it felt like he was trying to box her out and get her emotionally ready in case he didn't come back. And when he came back, it was just, like, such a loving moment that he sees her and just, like, puts his hand up. And they just share that, like, silent moment together. It's like, oh, like, you really do care about her. You know, like, as much as you're quiet and you're reserved, like, he still did love her, you know? Yep. That's how I felt about it. Who is your favorite actor in this movie that you knew from something else? Uh, so the guy that he goes... So there, there's the scene where uh, they dock with the, the Agena, and then they yes. get that, like, that tumble... And they're going like crazy, and his partner passes out, and Gosling almost passes out, but he like saves them, breaks things basically to save them. Yeah, that guy who uh, he's with is Christopher Abbott. I know him, I think, first from Girls, but he's in this movie called James White, where this kid is like taking care of his dying mom. Like that kid fucking rules as an actor. He's great. You know, I really like Corey Stoll. Who's that? That's Buzz Aldrin. Okay. Uh, House of yeah. Cards. House of Cards. Claire Foy is good. The 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 one little sort of bit of a bummer. The Christopher Abbott guy, the you know the guy from Girls, was supposed to be originally be John Bernthal, who I love, who's the Punisher. Oh yeah. On Netflix is the Punisher. He's in Fury. Yeah. He's awesome. But yeah, I mean, who who was yours? I'm sure that based on your. No, I just I liked a lot of them. I liked the guy from House of Cards. I liked um that Frank Zapatka's son was in it from The Wire, because he's in everything too. Oh yeah. So Pablo Schreiber, yes. So he, um, I actually have trivia about that, too. Cool, okay. Pablo Schreiber, who is also porn stash on Orange New Black. Yes. And he's also... Also in The Wire. Yes, he's Frank Sabaka's son. Uh, not yes. fuck-up son, his other actual son, his, you know... No, the, his, the other kid is his nephew. Oh. Ziggy was his nephew. Z- yeah, I forget Frank Sabaka's son's name, though. Yeah. Somebody remind me, please, but okay. So, okay, so he 
played Jim Lavelle. Perfect timing for me and for Resident Story Mike Manzi. That character is Tom Hanks' character in Apollo 13. Oh, or really? That, that, that real-life representation. Like, that man he's playing was on Apollo 13, played by Tom Hanks. Oh, that's crazy. And... That's really cool. I didn't know that. Go ahead. Also, not as cool as that, but the other new podcast that Mike and I started... So we have a Tom Hanks podcast, Hanks for the Memories. Yes. Go check that out. But the other new podcast that Mike and I started that we're alternating with Hanks for the Memories is Cruise Club, the Tom Cruise podcast. And yes. there's also a bit of trivia about that in a way that there was a four-minute IMAX trailer for First Man that played before Mission Impossible Fallout. So I was just like, oh, there's a oh. little bit of trivia about both Toms. Both new podcasts we started sort of tie into this movie in one way or the other. So go check both of those podcasts out. Thank you, that's thank really you. That's really cool. You'll be on episodes. You're going to be on The Outsiders, which is very soon. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. So this feels like the kind of movie, and it is the kind of movie where it's just like a bunch of those kind of not character actor dudes, but kind of character actor dudes who are like just great in everything that they're in, like yeah. Corey Stolen, like John Bernthal, who's not in this, but like all those kind of guys... They're all just, like, in a bunch of things. You're like, oh, I love that guy. You know what I mean? So Yep, same. It's definitely one of those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. 100%, yeah. Like, I, that's why I always said, like, who was your favorite actor that you know from yeah. something else? Because there seemed like a lot of these guys were in this movie. Like, guys that, like, aren't necessarily stars in any movie, but, right. like, always are great actors. Yep. Okay, so a little other, couple other bits of trivia. Clint Eastwood was originally supposed to direct this movie. And did it? But Danny Chazelle was approached to direct this once he finished Whiplash, but even before he did La La Land, before he started working on La La Land, oh. they approached him about this. So this has sort of been in the works for a while. He said his, his first choice for the role of the Armstrong was always Ryan Gosling. Even before they did La La Land, he wanted to do, he wanted Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, and then I think only after they finished La La Land was Ryan Gosling like, oh yeah, I'll do this for you. That's cool. Some of the voices heard in the film, which sort of makes sense, are actual recordings from the space program. Oh yeah. You could hear it. You could hear it 100%. Yep. Like, especially when they, like, land on the moon. Like, it's definitely not Goss's voice. It's it's definitely Neil Armstrong, so. When, you know, when Gosling steps on the moon or whatever, and it's, like, one small step for man or, you know, whoever says that or whatever, the voice that's coming back to him is a recording from 1969. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then two little bits of trivia about Gosling. When Gosling was researching Neil Armstrong, he found that Neil Armstrong loved the theremin, which is a musical instrument. And so okay. he brought it to Damien Chazelle and Justin Hurwitz, who did the score, and they included the instrument in the score. Oh, so it was kind of like a sort cool. of a, a nod of appreciation or whatever, or just like a, hey, you love this, like, let's kind of honor that or respect that. And yeah. the other thing, this is crazy. Mm, crazy might be the wrong word. But Gosling suffered an injury while filming the shuttle sequence, or one of the shuttle sequences, and Ava Mendez told him to go to the hospital after noticing the bizarre behavior of his passionately ranting to her about national donut thieves. It was later discovered he had suffered a concussion, and Ava Mendez yeah. had unknowingly saved his life. But I just love, like, I want to see a movie in which Ryan Gosling is just like, it feels almost like out of the nice guys, where he's just like, you know, bitching about national donut thieves. You know what I mean? Just like, can you believe, like, how many people are stealing donuts these days? It's like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. I think these are the conversations I have with Rachel Sober that really annoy the shit out of her. Because I'll be like, God damn, like, I was bitching about something today, I don't even know what it was, but yeah. Donut Thieves is pretty much the theme of most of what I'm bitching about, so... So you're saying that if you ever start making sense, then we know that something's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, you've listened to me enough that, like, mm -hmm. I'll come in and just have ideas, and you'll be like, are you, like, drunk right now? I'm like, oh, no, like, I'm dead sober. I just had this weird idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts about First Man before we get into our uh, games for the show? No, we we just we discussed it. I discussed what I liked about it. Yep. I, I think Goss was great in it. If you if you're a Goss fan, it's it, he's he's a great actor in it for sure. I much prefer him to be 
a chatty kind of character, like mm-hmm. La La Land or The Nice Guys. He plays brooding really, really well, and he, he delivers emotion without saying a lot really well, so I see why he's always like picked for these kind of characters too, but I just enjoy him more when he's like funny. Right. So Yeah. Well, so our first game up, Joe, our, um, yes. maybe my favorite game. Hey, guys, what's in your hands? What's in your hands, guys? Ooh, I got one. What you got? The joystick. He's mm. using to drive, like the little joystick thing going on. All I could think of, this doesn't really make sense, but all I could think was he's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> like the song, like the kid's song. Mm-hmm. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah, he had a shovel. He's got his daughter's bracelet that he drops into the moon crater at the end. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's right. He's got the uh, he's got his kiss in his hand and the glass on his hand at the very end of the movie when he tries to connect with his wife through the glass. Yes. Um, beers. He drank some beers. Definitely beers. Yeah, he had some beers in his hands. Just a, a lot of space equipment. Yeah, it was a lot of space stuff. A helmet in his hands, for sure. But yeah. no musical instruments, did, I don't think. Or did he? No. Did he play the piano to his kids? They referenced that he played piano, but we never see him play it. Like, okay. his wife's telling them... Maybe he played it to his kids. The only part that I remember about the piano was when he's talking, like, when they're at dinner, and she's like, he wrote a musical, or, like, whatever and the college backwards thing, and they're like, go play the piano, and he's like, no, no, no. So we do get a musical nod. He might not have it in his hands, but he was musical in this. Yeah. I think that's all I got. I don't think I have anything else that's in his hands. Do you? No. I don't have anything else that's in his hands. All right, so that means the next up is our trailer game. So I'm going to go to YouTube, First Man Trailer. Okay. So First Man Official Trailer from Universal Pictures... So there's two. Okay, so here's a question. Uh, we'll do we'll do the first one. Uh, it's got 5.4 million views. The second trailer is 10 million views, but we'll do the one oh. that uh, came first. So why don't you get that I'm loaded up? It. I'm searching yep. it. Yep. So it's two it. and a half minutes long from Universal Studios, Universal Pictures. 5.4 million views. Is that yep. what you're saying? Um, I am good. If you're good. All right. Three, two, one, play. Oh, we are just right launch. into it. Yeah. I like the juxtaposition in that, where you see the window, and it's like the old footage that looks like actual old footage, yeah. but on Gosling's face. Oh, the one thing I wanted to say in terms of that, because like, it was kind of a silent thing, is I love when they open the door onto the moon and just silent. Oh, camcorder in his hands. Sorry. Camcorder in his hands. You know, you're right. But I like when they just open the door and the, and the movie just goes silent, and then you finally, after about a minute, you hear him breathing. You know what I mean? So. Yep. I like that, too. start from scratch. Drawing the chalkboards. That's such a badass moment where he's just like, that's to scale, check it, and like he's off by like a quarter of an inch or whatever. Like, where yeah. he just goes from Earth to the moon, just like across two chalkboards. Yeah, I, I like that too. That was really cool. Hell yeah, coach. He's got a pen. Pen. Yep. Pen in his hands. Parachute in his hands. That's a real cool shot with the, the, the space shuttle, the wreck just burning behind him. I liked it too. There's some really cool shots of him that you can't tell it's him necessarily, like where he's got his back there. Or like yep. when he's on the moon, he's got that like gold visor down. Like that just it, like the movie, like we've been saying, looks beautiful. Um, I like I like gossip with sunglasses on too. It's pretty badass. Okay, he's doing more more math. He does all of his homework at night. And that shot is basically the, the art on Cage Club Dot Me for this episode. Him in full suited gear, getting ready to yeah. go. The Swiss Army Knife part was funny too when they asked for a Swiss Army Knife to like fix his seatbelt. And the guy's like, a fucking Swiss Army Knife. Like, He's got his kids in his hands right there. Oh, yeah. 
another four, child in his hand. You're right. Three. Try to this makes it seem really high, spacey, high tension, sort of, and a lot of space. Yeah. It's space heavy, which it is, but it's not always. There's a lot of non-space in it. Too much, but space exploration changes your perception, and it allows us to see things that we should have seen a long time ago. Oh, I had an idea. That's cool. Window, I like when he saved window on his hands. You're a bunch of boys. You don't have anything under control. His wife is probably the best part of this movie, Claire Foy. She's the she new uh, girl with the dragon tattoo, whatever that new movie is. Girl with the hornet's nest or whatever. Cool. Good for her. And she's also, I think, uh, the Queen Elizabeth in uh, The Crown, that Netflix show. Yeah. It was the first two seasons of it or whatever. And remember, she was the one, we talked about this a while ago, she was the one that rumor had it that he and her developed like sort of a very close bond on set. And Ava Mendes was like, no, none of that, please. Um, <laughs> but, like, they don't have a lot of scenes together. You know what I mean? Like, they might have been no, on set don't. together a lot, but it's not like they had a lot of scenes together where they had, like, you know, were very romantic. She's kind of doing her own thing. She she has her own part of the story in this. Yes. How would you feel if the movie would have been more like Gravity? I think Gravity did this. At least I'm remembering it did. Where the movie starts out with them, like, taking off. And throughout the movie, you get glimpses back into figuring out how he got there. I don't think Gravity did that. Gravity might have done that. I feel like Gravity is all just in space. No, but I'm saying, like, you start the movie with, like, they're starting to take off. And then it's, like, these... And then, like, you get, like, a flashback of, like... Well, I think that's what... Like, what's interesting about this movie is that it's all in chronological order. And I like, you know... It is. We essentially kind of start in that way with, like, a, a, a launch. But, like, we're in atmosphere but we're just on earth and like things are going wrong you know what i mean so yeah in a way it kind of does it, it, it simulates that in a sense but it doesn't actually you know i think i think it could work but i think again once again like that's a kind of a different movie than the one he wants to tell but you know i i yeah, would like it though so, so. cool okay are you ready for the google game so we search ryan gosling yes. first man there are nine we're going to cut out interview premiere trailer review movie but there okay. are four things that you can get. Two are basically the same, but four things you can guess. If we go to Google, Ryan Gosling, First Man, what are the autocompletes? Sunglasses. Yes, that is number four. Nice. Oh, I'm coming in hot. Um, wife? No. Suit? No. Hair? Hair and haircut. Two and like eight. You're only missing Ooh. one. That's the last one on the list. Voice? Nope. Actually, if I did First Man, Ryan Gosling, there's one more as well. Oh... I don't know. Give me a hint. Um, one is along the lines of your correct answer so far, and one is along the lines of one of your incorrect answers so far. Uh, that's kind of a hint. So, like, haircut. You said haircut. Hair, hair and haircut are both the same. So, yeah, something like that. In in, in a way. Hat? Helmet? Nope, nope. Head? Face? Nope. Beard? Watch. How is that related to that? Style. His appearance. Okay. okay. Sure. It is. It is. And the other thing is related to one of your incorrect answers. Damn it. Well, which I don't know which one it is. The other one is it's, it's tough cuz I don't know I don't know who would google this. I guess maybe just to but I don't know why you would throw Ryan Gosling's name in here, but daughter. You said wife but daughter is Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe somebody wanted to know if his if his actual daughter is like the daughter in the movie. I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So that's all the Google game, the, all the autocompletes. You did pretty well. You got yeah. you got three of the four, three of the five. Pretty quick too. Yep. I got a first one. Yeah, I got them pretty good. So I'm happy with myself. All right, time for the letterbox game. So there's a couple different games that we're gonna play here. For comparison's sake, Mad Max Fury Road has been seen by 312,000 people on Letterboxd. Okay. Damn, it keeps climbing. 
First man has been seen by how many? 75,000. Lower. 42,000. Higher. 58,000. You're right in that window. 56 to 90. So that's a, that's, I feel like that's a high number because this movie like kind of just came out. But also, as we know, Letterboxd loves Ryan Gosling. Letterboxd loves Damien Chazelle. And Letterboxd loves Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling together. So They do, and they love Oscar bait. They do love Oscar bait. Yeah. So, so. out of those 56,000 people, Joe, how many put this movie in their top four? It's new, so it might have some hype around it. Gosling, Damien Chazelle scored well. I'm going to go 475. Lower. 256. Lower. 123? 160. 160. Damn. Yeah, I knew it was going to be like a lot compared. It's like it's not going to be like a 1 or a 10. Like it had to be like at least 100. So, yeah, 160. Okay, cool. So now the final game that we're going to play. So I looked at all those 160 people, people who put in their top okay. four. So this woman, this girl, Amira, at Amira two A's at the end, has given gave it five stars, hearted it, has reviewed it six times. She saw this movie six times. Well, she reviewed Damn. it six times. So she wrote a really long review the first time, then she said, I feel and like I want to go back. it just came out on VOD. So, okay, so she saw it on October 17th, October okay. 19th, October okay. 21st, Damn. October 28th, Damn. November 7th, December Shit. 7th, which I don't know, that's sort of an in-between, maybe it's on theaters, but she saw it at least five times in theaters. She wrote a really long review the first time, said, I feel like I want to go back and see it again over and over. I'm just glad I lived this moment to see this masterpiece. Ryan Gosling, Justin Hurwitz, and Damien Chazelle, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Her next review was, everything about it is literally out of this world. Her next review, I have peace in my heart. I have it now. Her next review, how do I have all these feelings at once? How do I feel as connected? How do I feel like it's part of me? I don't know. What I do know is that it's a masterpiece in every sense. Sorry, but five stars aren't enough, so then I put a bunch of stars, and then just did a long quote. This girl loves, loves this movie. She's at FilmGaz on Twitter. Oh, she actually deleted her Twitter page, but at FilmGaz, G-O-S, on Twitter. So she loves Gosling. She okay. loves Gosling. So, with that in we'll mind... We'll a podcast for her. So, Joe, this is... La La Land. La La Land is her number one. <laughs> First Man is her number two. <laughs> um, now, these next two, I don't think you're going to have heard of one... But these next two are both very gettable. Gossip on the Pines. No, but a different Gosling movie. An early Gosling movie we have not done yet. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Hercules. No, uh, The United States of Leland. I don't know that one. Which I is a, from 2003, where he's uh, in prison for the murder of a mentally disabled boy, who also happened to be the brother of his girlfriend, Becky. And so that's Gosling that's with him and Don Cheadle and Chris Klein, Kevin Spacey. A uh, friend of the show, Melissa Lynham, really likes that, I think. Or told me to watch it. Maybe her sister does. But I have okay. that associated with her. Okay, the number four, you can definitely get number four. Does not have to do with Gosling. But think about... Whiplash. Whiplash. Yep. Yeah. Dude, I got three of four. Yeah, this girl yep. is, like, all about this life. Like, just, I, I sent you her thing. Yeah. Her location on, on Letterboxd is La La Land. Her profile picture is Emma Stone's back walking through the snow in La La Land. Can you bat up Whiffy to her, please? Because I think she'd be a fan. She would be a fan, yeah. It's up to you. Be that Whapfy. Um, I will comment. 2018 ranked, she has a list, one film, just First Man. So <laughs> Okay. I uh, just want to make this list before the end of 2018. I'll add the films later, as I still haven't seen some that I believe deserve to be added here. But her favorite movie, of course, First Man. Thank you, Amira. Shout out, Amira. Fire ass titles. So this is a game that originated on Zack Attack. Uh, High School Musical is the purest distillation 
of what that movie could be called. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to High School Musical if I first man, what would we call it? Moon. Neil. Neil. I like that one. That's good. Early, too. Karen. So here's one related to Karen. I don't know if you're going to get this reference, because I don't know if you've heard of this movie, but We Need to Talk About Karen. No. So there's a Tilda Swinton movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin, where I think she's like mother to a a sociopathic little boy. Okay. So instead of We Need to Talk About Kevin, we need to talk about Karen, because Gosling does not talk about Karen to his wife. Yeah. True. Let's see. Dominoes. Outer space. Space. Just Just space. space. Just space. Um, Apollo 11. That's a good one. Oh, fuck. I want to know how to word this. I'm going to say it, and then you can make it better. An eagle lands. Well, I was going to say, my my next one was literally going to be The Eagle Has Landed. Yeah, but like it needs to be like tighter than that. It needs to be like Landing Eagle. The Landing Eagle, yeah. The Landing Eagle. I like that. So, I mean, this is just sort of a reference to, uh, not even a sort of a reference, it's directly a reference to Rocky Horror Picture Show with this song in there, Damn It, Janet, which, you know. <laughs> how about Sky? I like that. This, I feel, I feel like, and we're going to go a little bit more, but, like, compared to Smallfoot, where we were like, I don't know, this is actually when we can sort of, you know, fire a yeah. it up. Through the glass. Might as well be walking on the sun. Yeah, oh, there you go. Smash mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Shrek. there's nothing to do with anything. But Shrek 2. Exactly. Shrek 4, uh, Shrek in space. <laughs> oh, sorry, you got me with that one. You know, so, uh, friend of the show and resident historian, Mike Manzi. News just broke that Christopher McQuarrie, who directed uh, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and Fallout, two of the greatest action movies of this decade, or maybe ever, probably ever, who, after I listened to literally six hours of podcasts with him on the Empire Film Magazine podcast, was like, I, why would I want to come back and do seven? Like, I've already, like, I'm only setting myself up to fail. But... Seven what? Mission Impossible 7. Oh, okay. But this week, uh, I think just yesterday as we're recording this, or maybe two days ago... News broke that he's going to be back for both 7 and 8, and they're going to film back-to-back. And so Mike Manzi tweeted, Who will get to space first, Ethan Hunt, which is Tom Cruise's character, or Fast and Furious? But I have to say, our boy Gaz beat both of them to space first. Mm, He did. He's the first man in space. There we go. That's that's the last one. First man in space. (laughs) Okay, you like that? That First man on the moon. First man on the moon. Yep. Andy Kaufman, man on the moon. Before we get... To the awards. We have one more thing to do. The most and least boyfriend material moments in this movie. We have no guesses to review because we've not guessed for this. But I have picks for my most and least. I already mentioned my most, which is when he goes, it's when he lands on the moon and tosses his daughter's bracelet into the crater for her to live eternally on the moon. That's really awesome. I like that one. That's a great pick. I have to go with the obvious one, and it's the hand touch at the end of the yep. movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that one's just so boyfriend material. Like, you can't beat that one. And my least one what is also least? something I said that's also sort of related to what you, in a way, related to what you just said. It's when Janet is in the back of the car, and she's like, does he ever talk about Karen? And Ed says no. And she says, yeah, not to me either. And just like, you gotta, you gotta open up, man. Like, you gotta you gotta be vulnerable. Yeah, and, and in the same sense... I'm going to go least boyfriend material is when he tried to just, like, go to the moon without saying bye to his kids. Yeah. That's pretty fucking terrible. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, we didn't talk about that, but, like, she's like, you need to say goodbye because you might not come back. And then, like, we cut to NASA and, like, Coach Taylor and whoever else is, like, they're pre-writing their obituaries. Like, that's fucked. Like, where it's like, we want this to work, but, like, chances are this is not going to work. Or 
bet like maybe best case scenario they get there and then what you know what i mean like it's yeah that, yeah that's because that's what the letter said it was like we had to leave them in the moon because like they're fucked yep so scary tough as shit. tough 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 yeah Okay. So the last thing I have to do on the show, the awards, the Golden Geese, the Golden Fleece, the Gazis, whatever we're going to call them. This okay. is where we look at the movie, feel what we should recognize it for best and worst. Best film, no. Worst film, no. Mis- most disappointing, I'm going to say no. No. Best or worst role, no. Again, like this is closer to it's mid-range. Yeah. It's, it's closer to good than bad. Like if this is a good movie, but just it like, is compared, I agree. like especially considering how great. Boyfriend Material has been so far. We have a lot of great. I do kind of want. I kind of want to nominate this for not most Boyfriend Material caliber role, but least Boyfriend Material yeah. caliber role. Yeah, because he's like so closed off. Like he's just terrible. Most fun film, no. Best song, no. Best soundtrack score, I'm gonna put this in there because I think the yeah it was great. Best cinematography, I'm also gonna put that there too. Yep, I can agree. Best costumes, yes or no? Like it's it's cool. It's space. Yeah. It's space stuff. It's, they're not really... I mean, they're costumes in the sense that they're costumes, but it's like, it's just because astronauts are cool, not because the costumes are good. Right. You know? Best Gosling hair? No. Best or worst bad. love probably... story? It's not... Yeah, it's not great. Best or worst love story? Mm. No, neither. Again, sort of in the middle. Does he scream? I don't think so. Like, he doesn't do his, like, Gosling scared scream, like his, his squeak scream, does he? No, I wish we would have got one, like, when he was, like, flying the plane or something, right? Like, when he's, like, coming down, he's like, ah! And just, like, starts screaming. Mm-hmm. But no. No, he's, like, really, really quiet the whole time. Best cry, sobbing over the death of his daughter, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Best Ryan Gosling punch in the face. No one punches him in the face in this movie. Except for no, life, kind of. ground? Yeah. Instrument played does not play an instrument, does not kill anybody. Uh, best job, though, astronaut. Very, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely up there. What are the other ones in the best job? Uh, we also have oil laborer at the end of Song of the Song and piano player slash club owner slash modern rock star slash chicken salesman in La La Land. Yeah, those are good. Those are damn good jobs. Best dancing scene, no. Best non-Gosrol, male or female. I do want to. I don't. I want to say uh, Claire Foy. Yes, for sure. I'm. I'm 100 behind that. Yep. As Janet Armstrong. And again, like, everybody else was good, but it's just, they're, they don't really, like we were saying earlier, it's kind of like a, an ensemble piece in a way that doesn't really, you know, stand up. Yeah. Is there anything else in this movie, like, that was all the categories that we have so far, is there anything else in this movie that you want to recognize, either good or bad? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. I, like, it would, it would just be astronaut shit, you yeah. know what I mean? It'd be like, best movie in space. Mm-hmm. Like, La La Land. Best depiction of they, a space When they dance in the planetarium. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh my god. So we nominated this for six awards. Uh, least Boyfriend Material Caliber Role, Best Soundtrack Score, Best Cinematography, Best Cry, Best Job, and Best Non-Gaz Role Female. So, you know, it's a pretty decorated film. For us saying it was pretty mediocre in a lot of roles, it has a lot of nominations. So yeah. That's cool. So like we were saying earlier, Gosling has nothing on the slate for coming out this year, so... Back to the grind. Back to the grind. Unless something unexpected happens, it seems like the next four are kind of set in stone. We're going to do Drive in yeah. April. We're going to do All Good Things in July, which is where he plays Robert Durst of the Jinx. Oh, what? Yeah, there's like a fictionalized version of that, buddy. Ryan Gosling as as Bobby Durst, yeah. And it it had it must have come out before 2010. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm excited for that. Damn, I didn't know that. There's Mary. I think I want to say the Kirsten Dunst in that movie. Cool. Okay. In October. We're gonna do Blue Valentine, which is I've talked about a lot, where it's just him and Michelle Williams in like the messiest marriage of all time. And then in January, one year from today, with Liam Underwood of Nerd on Nerd, we're going to talk about Lars and the Real Girl. Well, I'm excited. And what's weird is that that's going to cover four years. So Drive is 2011, 
Lars and the Real Girl, 20, 2007. So there's nothing between 2007 and 2010, so we're, we're sort of making serious progress. Not in terms of number of movies, but time, you know, we're getting back there, so. Yeah. Um, we used to do, like, the last and next recording, you know, this month, mm-hmm. every January, every April, every July and October now, we're doing the uh, Gosling and Channing one, so we just did a Smallfoot episode for mm-hmm. Magic Mike's. We're going to do Public Enemies in April, but... The thing to point out is, of course, Too Fast, Too Forever, where you and I are watching the Fast and Furious movies on repeat forever. We are now in lap three with Resident Story Mike Manzi, a.k.a. The Mikester. We are watching the movies for the third time, talking about them for the third time. So go check out Too Fast, Too hmm. Forever. I'm really excited for this lap. I can't wait to continue on. So, Did you listen to our two-hour and 22-minute episode yet? No, I haven't. I, I had like meetings and shit, and I had uh, physical therapy this morning, so I didn't have like time, but... I'm going to. There's lots of it for you to listen to. I can just tell you that much. I'm going to listen to it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear it. And then, of course, twice this year, hopefully sooner rather than later, two new Zack Attacks, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Oh, I'm so excited. And The Beach Bum. Give me more Zeph. Yes, please. Any last thoughts about Gosling? Anything last thoughts about First Man before we come back in three months for Drive? No, I think you should watch the movie. It was good. I'm happy that I watched it. I, w- I would like to hear what other people think about it. I need to read some reviews on it now and see what other people thought about it, because like, I don't know if I'm the only one that felt the way I did, and it seems like everybody really loved it besides me. So I don't know if you can answer this question, because you might not have been thinking about it, but remember two episodes ago when we ranked the ten Gosling movies we'd seen? Where, yeah. roughly, if you had to guess, would this fall? Because like, for me, it's like six or seven. Like It's right in the middle, because like, the, yeah, the top is I so... It, I was going to say four or five. I was going to be like five. I, I need to like look back at the list. but Because um... the top is so top-heavy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There's such great stuff there. But it's good. It's just you know not not. I'm not gonna rewatch it over and over again like I would. No. The nice no. guys or La La Land or Blade Runner or whatever. Yeah. Well, for all things boyfriend material and Ryan Gosling, you can go to CageClub.me, Facebook.com/CageClub, or at CageClubPod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us boyfriendmaterial at CageClub.me. Send us pictures of cereal. Send us thoughts about the show. Please. Whatever you want to do, thoughts about First Man, we will read it on air. And like we've been saying before, if we get like a flood of emails. We'll at least do a special mailbag episode, if not an entire new episode or whatever. So, Amen. Yeah, the power is in your hands. If you want more boyfriend material, just let us know because we love guys. And like, there's there's sort of like this weird temptation, kind of, where like there's not that many episodes. Like, there's probably like 25 episodes. In theory, we could finish this kind of quickly. Like, Channing has like been in so many things. Like, it's it's such a pipe dream to finish that. You know what I mean? But here, like, like um, War of the Worlds. <laughs> Yes, exactly. He's he's so in War of the Worlds that he's not even in the movie. If you want more boyfriend material, write in. Shout out Jenny, shout out Jess, shout out AT&T. And just, you know, say hi, boyfriend material at cageclub.me. And also check out patreon.com slash forever. Uh, support us over there. Here's what I could here's here's what I could say to you. If you support us so much that we are both able to quit our jobs, we'll do all boyfriend material like this month. Like this week. Yeah. I'll crank through it. So all you gotta do is like donate like fifteen or twenty grand a month so that we can share it, <laughs> take the fees out. Joe and I both quit our jobs. Mortgage payments. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Totally fine. We'll be house husbands. <laughs> we'll buy a space uh, halfway in between where we both live, go back to Florida, get all of the cool merch from that Too Fast Too Forever shop, <laughs> just like adorn our house. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Too Fast Too Forever if you don't want to kick us a couple bucks. Get merch for that show if you want that. But I don't think, like we've been saying, I don't think there's a ton of crossover between the two shows. In fandom. But if you are a fan that likes both, yeah. email us at boyfriendmaterial 
Also, uh, like I mentioned earlier, check out every Friday, Mike and I are doing the Tom Tom Club. Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks alternating. Uh, Joe will be on soon for The Outsiders and a couple of other movies, so check those out. And just go to cageclub.me, poke around, do that sort of thing. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll be back in three months in April for Drive, right here on Boyfriend Material.